Welcome back to It Starts With You podcast with me, Mark Hopkins. And in this episode, I get to speak to the awesome Tej Singh, who, if you don't know who he is, he runs a property podcast. Um, He's getting into property himself, and he's doing loads of stuff called Tej Talks. But Tej also has um, an extraordinary career uh, to date with recruitment, going internal and external. I've followed him for the last three years, watched him to get where he is, and seen him grow this brand, which is brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Um, really informative podcast, this. Uh, thank Tej for his time because he's an extremely busy man at the same time, so he spent an hour for it. So check this out. Tej Singh, everyone, from Tej Talks. <laughs> Hello, greetings. Thank you for the tabletop uh, drum roll. I feel like I've won something in a recruitment office, like a 10 quid voucher. We, we haven't rang the bell yet. You haven't won nothing yet, mate. Oh, I don't <laughs> get the handshake picture, do I? I always wanted a handshake picture, oh, but no one would, no would touch my hand. Do you know, I always wanted one of them. I had one with, um, <laughs> uh, I think it was Alec Reed once. <laughs> I think, I think I, you and me should take one together. Yes, next time I'm down London, we're going to do, and we're going to have like a certificate where yeah. uh, my podcast and your podcast, like it's like joined forces for one podcast. <laughs> like, yeah. like the Avengers of podcasting. That's what we are. Yes, you and me definitely look like Avengers. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be Hulk. Um, <laughs> so um, tell everyone, Tej, a little bit about yourself. Who are you? Why? <laughs> Why are you? <laughs> Um, so, my name's Ted. I have worked in recruitment for, I want to say, oh god, I think it's been three years now, three years too many. Uh, I started off in like pharmaceuticals, you know, good job, big pay rise, and then I got fired because I just lost all faith in, in drugs um, and maybe humanity for a little bit. And then I said, alright, what job or what business will give me exactly what I put into it in terms of hours? And I think recruitment can be like that. I think sales can be like that. Um, apart from obviously dealing with humans who are annoying. Um, <laughs> and I, yeah, I set up a business with no sort of help. My friend had a business. He, he allegedly helped me, didn't really. Um, and I was profitable from week two. And then I've kind of done recruiting recruiters. I've done like marketing. I've done a bit of finance. I've, I've done some internal recruitment, which was awesome. Um, yeah, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that in a second. Yeah, no, definitely. And and working from home alone, like like you know, Mark, and I think you're you're a lot better at it than me. Um, from our previous discussions, I it drove me crazy, so I went internal. And then I think two months ago, I finished my last contract at Babylon Health, and I'm I'm ninety percent uh, in, in property at the moment, which has always been a passion of mine, uh, and that's where my TED Talks podcast. I guess comes from and is about I'm still recruiting uh, but primarily focused on property and, and branding and social media which if anyone seen me on LinkedIn maybe I don't know six seven months ago and I was posting a lot more you would have seen my love and passion for branding which I know yeah. Mark also shares with me as well so that's uh, I think that's me yeah that's you in a nutshell there we go thanks for listening every now I'm joking <laughs> <laughs> um, so you this is what i love about you because i've i've been following you um secretly as well <laughs> I wondered who that guy was yeah yeah, yeah. who's that guy watching my, all my videos um <laughs> no cuz i it's really interesting cuz when we first met you i think you started your recruitment business cuz when we kicked up the recruiters arms um you and about 
five or six other people were probably the, the, the first load of people that mm. came in and asked those horrible questions. <laughs> no, asked the brilliant questions about running a recruitment business that even I was starting to learn at the time. And it, it, I found that fascinating. And then over the years of, of watching you and, and the pivot you've made into property has been quite extraordinary. Um, and in the essence of this, uh, in, the, in the essence of this podcast, um, it, I want to tap into that and find out a little bit about that. So, so your, your motivation moving from pharmaceuticals into recruitment was, is that, is that kind of whole, you know, I want something that as much effort as I put in, I get X, Y, and Z out. Did you feel like that was happening at the beginning or was, was that a, a struggle? Well, so if I rewind to when I was working pharmaceuticals, so it, it was that, was sort of the main reason the second reason was i read bad pharma by ben goldacre and as much as it is a biased view it still has statistics and data which paint the pharma industry in a very terrible light and then working in i also realized like the people working around me were i wouldn't say hiding data but they were just not publishing certain things and it was very normal i was like okay so this drug costs the nhs millions every year and it gives them a two days extra of life like look i'm not dying well, we all are but i'm not dying so i i can't say oh my god two days of life means so much to me but there's a there's a moral discussion to be had you know cost benefit analysis yeah. so that also kind of put me off now what i found in that industry which was so it wasn't directly pharmaceuticals it was like medical education kind of like marketing but for doctors so kind of boring marketing um everyone stayed past five o'clock like very, very normal. Um, when we went abroad for like business trips, the sort of the time that wasn't sort of um, the time that was out of business hours wasn't necessarily paid for. We like treated our clients like gods, even though they were honestly stupid. Like some of these people who work at pharma companies are just dumb because like they were, they're using us for a reason, right? But I also used to think like, why, are, why is everyone on eggshells around them and like, literally brown nosing them when they are just they're just terrible at their jobs um and that annoyed me i was like why am i working with morons right to put it really uh, bluntly yeah and then what i found was even when i asked my, my md i was like so um do we get paid past five why does it like he's like no of course, no, no of course not no 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 but if you left any earlier oh my god um so that thing i i definitely found that they're there wasn't that sort of stuff working for myself because yeah. hey, if I'm working past whatever o'clock, I know that I'm getting paid for it. Like not on an hourly rate or something, but I'm getting paid for it. So it's an investment that I'm going to get a return on. Now, when you're working a nine to five and you're working a, an eight till six, eight till seven, your hourly rate is piss. Um, and so technically you're not actually getting paid where you're getting paid. So this is a huge discussion in itself, but, all of these issues that I'm bringing up were like removed instantly when I had my own business. Got you. Got you. Then you picked recruitment. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Yeah. You, you put it, your tone of voice perfectly summarized how I would also say that now. So look, I think I mentioned this to you in the recruiter's arms. I had no clue that recruiters were hated or like had a reputation. I knew nothing, Mark. So, you know, imagine me, 23 years old, 
coming into this business with no experience before mm. and like being treated like shit and people not liking you instantly because of your job title um it's it was yeah. it's really hard and i kind of thought and then i slowly discovered via linkedin and via my branding that yeah 90 percent of recruiters are crap um but before i knew that you know you can imagine what it does to your like kind of self-esteem and your kind of self-worth because you're like but you don't know me but you hate me what so it's, yeah it's a it's a strange one because people say that to me um even family members now as started saying because yeah, they've been dicked around by recruiters um and they say how can you do it how can you put up with it you, it's it's a funny funny marketplace where you you, you kind of become a little bit thick skinned to the, the the crap that comes at you but then <clears throat> equally as long as you keep your focus being the relevant and good recruiter you believe you are and do all the basics you should be fine but for you 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 didn't have any training before you had that so you literally jumped in the cold deep end of recruitment yeah i I did and i think you know what you said about the thick skin i as much as i you know i'm not a huge fan of you know agency recruitment in terms of like it's not my passion i don't enjoy it hugely i'm eternally grateful for the person it's made me today because it's made me a lot more stoic, a lot more thick skinned, you know, to be able to deal with all sorts of crap from every angle of life. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm thankful in that sense, but also what you said about the training, I actually can't even remember how I knew what to do. I think my friend gave me, sent me a few documents, took me through the basic steps, said here, slap on a job board, call some companies here's a little script do your thing yeah. and i managed to sort of you know get in with one of the uk's biggest and most so highest turnover um recruitment companies and but i had no clue like I, I just had no clue what i was doing so i don't know how i put the pieces together and was prof and like had a first placement in two weeks like i just don't understand i i think it isn't slightly intuitive, hence why the barrier to entry in recruitment is very low. It's not a complicated job role to pick up. However, what is complicated about it is repetitiveness and the ability to, to create something out of nothing, um, which most recruiters today, especially 360 recruiters, have to do daily. Um, mm-hmm. and, that's what you, and I think that's why you got your first placement very quickly, because you had that, that that energy at the beginning and that's the energy you have to captivate and continue for the rest of your recruitment life and, oh, it's, God, and, yeah. and it's tiresome and you'll have bad days real i think 90 percent of the days are bad and then 10 <laughs> um, i mean it, it is and you know what bad days i had bad i had like a bad two months where i was here sitting at this very desk working in in speech marks and but i didn't bill and you know if anyone who's listening you know, if you, if you don't make one placement a month, yes, there, there's bad months, but, you know, really, you should be making at least one or at least pipelining to make a couple the next month. I just had two months where I was at my desk every day, X many hours. Yeah. I don't know what was, I don't know what my output was. And yeah, it was, it was, it was tough. It was weird and tough. Yeah. And the motivation was every, do you know, it becomes exacerbated. I can't even fucking speak. (laughs) (laughs) Exacerbates. Every day, your motivation decreases and decreases. Mm -hmm. And then trying to keep yourself, pull yourself up. 
every day that it's going down and then you're trying to pull yourself up and it's gone it's lower than the last day it was <laughs> so what was the breaking point then Where, for, so you went internal how did that come about how how, how did you yeah so i was doing a, you know my own agency for like i think it was about a year yeah. i think it was about a year and a half okay sorry maybe a little bit longer and then i found i was becoming very antisocial. i wasn't hanging out much i was working all sorts of hours but not producing what i should for those hours so a lot of just I don't know what the hell I was doing, but a lot of just pissing around, um, not being productive because I wasn't necessarily passionate or engaged and working from home alone. I didn't have anyone to bounce off. And also my network compared to my network now, which I think is just incredible back then it was, it was rubbish. You know, most recruiters are, you know, let's just be really stereotypical into football, like watches, like pink shirts, stripy <laughs> suits, yeah? yeah. That's not me, mate. I like to sit in my pajamas and make cheese on a Friday. Like yeah. and talk about, office plants and and like the best growing soil for plant you know like so for me i don't know i just didn't kind of fit in which was cool um but i didn't make an effort either to actually socialize go out there like i do with properties so you know off my own accord and my own fault i my mental health just suffered not in like a you know a, a huge word i didn't have anything kind of um really big but it was just more like i was lonely it got yeah it got, it got me down and i thought like I wasn't me for a while. Like I was just very like untrusting and kind of, uh, I mean, I'm blunt anyway, but I was kind of just very not in control necessarily of my emotions. And I thought, hold on a minute, like, this is not me, right? Like the way I am right now in my life is me. Like this is me as I am. And I lost that. And what made me realize it? Cause I know you kind of said breaking point. No, I don't, it was a gradual progression, was it? Or... Yeah, I think it was gradual. And I took on a client called Wonderbly, a kid's book company. And then essentially they had an advert for an internal recruiter. And I saw the day rate and I kind of thought, hmm, if I times this by the days, it'll give me a bit of, you know, secure money. But actually my main thought, to be honest, was, hmm, if I go internal, then when I come back out of it, I'll get loads of clients because... I'll understand internal and everyone's going to be like, Oh my God, you're an ex internal. We want to work with you. And that didn't happen whatsoever. No one gave a shit. Um, so <laughs> I um, love the honesty. Yeah. They touch. <laughs> it's true. No, it's true. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's no fairy tale here. It's a sad ending to that story. But, but when I got in there, you know, it was in Bethnal green and it was very, it was very Bethnal green, single speed bikes, hats folded up to the top. Um, it was in an old, factory of some sort so that the insulation was terrible um it was but you know near shoreditch good food the people were great really kind of i'm not gonna say diverse but a diverse range of personalities were there we had a lot of fun we cooked a lot i ate a lot there were dogs there were kids it was it was a laugh and the books are awesome i still got some in my room actually um and that was great because Jess, who was my manager, just said to me, Ted, I don't care what you do, how you do it, just hire people. Cool, thanks. And she wow. was great. She was always supportive. And, and yeah, exactly. And she, I think she knew from interview, like, Ted is someone <clears throat> that you just need to leave him alone. Don't ask him why he's late every single day and he still leaves on time every single day. <laughs> just focus on the fact that he is delivering. Um, and she did. And for me, I was like, just you're an incredible manager because she supported me, you know, emotionally as, as managers do. And she was great fun and helped me develop. But she had that thing that recruitment 
people just don't really have, which is um, common sense and being in, in, in 2018 and 2019. So, yeah. um, it was it was a wonderful experience. I was pretty much in charge of recruitment across the whole company. There's about hmm, I think there's about fifty people, um, so it was nice to have a variety. It was nice to kind of do everything. A little bit of HR, which I obviously tried to avoid at all costs, uh, <laughs> and and it kind of changed the job adverts a little bit, and and just just be the only recruiter, which I thought was an amazing thing. You know, I thought, oh, this is wicked. I'm in charge, blah blah, blah which it was until yeah. you know we reached the, the next part of the story, which we'll get to at Babylon. Um, and you know what? It was great for my mental health. Uh, for anyone who is working from home alone and you want to change, like who cares what anyone says, just jump internal. Like it's not for failed recruiters. It's just different. Uh, I was going to ask you that question. Cause, cause I know you, you wrote a blog. Um, and I think I did make a comment on it and it was it wasn't if i try not to make clipping comments on people's blogs <laughs> as as open and mindful comment as i possibly can but the blog you wrote was about the difference between external and internal which i appreciate you've done both yes um, but I, I i think my comment was something along the lines of we, we just both have our own problems <laughs> to deal with what was it <laughs> what did you feel was the problems that that were as bad as external if you get me within internal um, good question. Uh, dealing with dickheads, um, to put it, to put it uh, politely, I think the, the, the most difficult thing is just dealing with humans like within the business. So for example, when you're external, you're dealing with your client, right? So you can't really shout at them and be like, oh, you're actually being stupid. This person's good to hire or you have no clue what you want. Yeah. I mean, you can, and I know you do in a very tactful, proper way. I try um, to. <laughs> I have let um, my guard down a few times, though. <laughs> I haven't got the maturity like you. I would just either say nothing or be like, <sighs> so when you go internal, your hiring managers are around you. So like it, and, and also because you have a more trusting relationship, because you're an employee and they have to respect you more, you can go in and be like, listen, what on earth are you talking about? Like, make a decision, please. Um, politely so that was the biggest challenge although it's easier to do it internally Look, I've never worked for corporate businesses so if you're working for HSBC good luck telling you know yeah 60 year old Jeff to change his views on recruitment like CVs being faxed to him and stuff yeah. but like I that that's the only challenge I'd say is equal um, attracting candidates way easier Speaking to people way easier, dropout rate way less. Um, really good. Yeah, because really it's a brand, right? So agencies don't really have a brand. So I think they do. It's just suits, high fiving, yeah, deals, yeah. ringing the bell. Uh, this is this um, is this is my problem with the external recruitment world. There isn't enough of them branding themselves right. Mm. Some of, some of the bigger boys have tried to brand themselves better, but it's still not work. It's still not happening. I'm trying my best to do it but it's, it's very difficult to become a brand. It is, but I think you're doing a good job of it because you're personable, right? People want to speak to you. They want your knowledge. Whereas, you know, other companies just, just give it the whole, you know, Johnny big cojone kind of thing. And it's just, it's just silly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I forgot what the original question was, but I hope that answered it. <laughs> <laughs> this is the, the pain points of internal. Cause yeah, next- sorry, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've never worked internal. I've been, I've said this on a, on a few other podcasts. I've, I've been offered. 
to work internal. Um, and and I've been offered account manager roles within ex- external agencies. So it's in effect working closely with a client. Um, that's the bit that kind of, I've worked with accounts before. Mm. If I had just that one account and I was sat in there, I don't know where you sat. Did you sit in marketing or HR or did you sit? No, I, so, so with Wonderbly, I sat with HR and finance. Yeah. But I would yeah. say that the, sorry, the, the, um, what was I going to say? The, when you work internal, say compared to an agency, even if the agency is an account management, when you're internal, there's more of a culture because it's not a recruitment company. It's a normal company that is actually focused on its people and well, potentially on its people and yeah. having a culture. So that's one of the huge positives for me is the people, right? And the diversity of people you get. I got you. I got you. So with that, from an external point of view, we, we, we see that, oh, sorry, it's that again. From my point of view, whenever I had one account to work on, the struggle for me was I only had those jobs to work on. So if I couldn't find people, I couldn't walk away from it because I had to fill it. And I presume <laughs> internal was very similar to that. And to me, that would be my biggest headache of internal and why I haven't gone that direction. You know yes. what? <laughs> so we're in quite different sectors but it hasn't been a problem in the sense that like i filled everything or if it really really was that obscure and even an agency couldn't find it even before we got to that stage i'd be saying to the hiring manager look here's the stats here's what agencies are telling me as well here's what i know as a recruiter um I'm going to, I'll say it to them like a, like a Babylon health. I would say, I am going to deprioritize this role because it doesn't really exist uh, just to let you know, or we can change it to be more, more realistic and find someone. Yeah. Now, when you, I think there's a, there's a difference in language, right? And it's, it's kind of like copywriting by me saying, I am going to deprioritize it. Not, are you happy for me to deprioritize it? For me personally, um, like, it, it it just paints it in a way like I've made the decision, I'm in charge, I understand this best, but I'm still offering you an option, which is let's make it a better job. Let's actually find someone for it by being collaborative, mm. but I'm removing the option of even continuing with with it as it is. Yeah, I got you. I got you. So you were, you were basically saying to the, the hiring manager, you need to sort this out, mate. This is shit. <laughs> Yeah, 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 hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that is a struggle for even for us external guys. We get jobs, and we, you know, this is why a lot of agencies favour con- contingency recruitment over over uh, retain recruitment because they will churn through BD to pick up hundreds of jobs and pick the ones they can fill um, because the job specifications are very poorly written by the hiring managers. So mm-hmm. instead of going back and becoming consultative with the hiring managers, like you would do as an internal, but us as an external, and try to get the information from them correctly, um, they have very low fill rate, and they just churn and churn and churn through jobs. It's 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 quite sad. But you can't do that internal. <laughs> you mentioned mm-hmm. earlier that you, there's a second part to this internal um, life that you've had with Babylon. What 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 was that about? So, uh, yeah, so then I left Wonderly. I spent a month um, playing FIFA, to be honest, um, <laughs> looking at my property stuff and also just life admin and buying lots of office plants to make stuff nice. So 
I did that and I actually said at Wonderly, no, I won't go back internal. But then I got back to working from home alone. I was kind of like, mm, I really liked that. So, you know, yes, you, you potentially earn less money by going internal. Potentially you don't, depending on your stage of life. And I thought, you know what, recruitment is something that I, I can enjoy if I'm in it if I'm internal with a bunch of people mm. when it's from home alone I, I don't really enjoy it so I kind of said hold on a minute my enjoyment is more important than money. I don't know just yeah money, money. yeah um, and so I was kind of I was on the DBR group which is like an internal recruiter slack chat and um it's got like loads of members it's a bit like the recruitment arms but a bit less fun uh and <laughs> i you can edit that bit out i'm joking yeah. i'm kidding <laughs> um, and then i um someone called dean aston uh, who is now a legend uh approached me and was like yo or i, or I kind of commented saying hey i'll be interested in babylon because i've because it's science and i studied science blah blah mm-hmm. we're talking had a few phone calls and offered me the job so i didn't even go in face to face but for speaking to him i just got i just got a vibe you know like yeah some people and you think you and me yeah we're gonna be good um i'm actually the godfather to his child so um wow (laughs) who was born yesterday i believe so things have you know progressed a lot in six months and i think he saw something in me which maybe others who interviewed me didn't and he also he reads a lot of self-development he's we're very similar in that sense if you look at his desk it is a library a plethora of like sort of self-development books like from every single angle and author and he's read so much and so me and he loved my kind of copywriting and my branding stuff so we connected on that um and i joined there babylon's gone through so many changes i think in that year that i joined at the tail end of i think they hired like 660 people in a year which what? That's nuts. That's and the team yeah the team was only like i don't know 12 people so they gone from 12 to 6? No, no, sorry. The, the, the re- team of recruiters who hired that many people was about 12 people. Whoa, that is big. Yeah, plus some agency. So it was great, great. And then we joined, and honestly, it was amazing. Like, Dean is the best manager. He creates such a wonderful culture. Like, it was just, it just felt like a party. And again, he was like Jess, and then he said, Tej, do your thing right after the first month when i proved to him you know i think i hired two or three people in the first month he was like cool i got you uh, i know what you're like and so he let me do my thing um and it proved successful i think in the first three four months which were the main uh hiring for me i think i hired 16 people and 14 were direct so i've never hired that many people like in that short period of time but it's you know you're a um i guess you're a product of your environment sometimes so yeah i agree yeah that was amazing and actually what i said before which was key is that i thought i'd love being a wonderly and being the only recruiter now as soon as i got to babylon i was surrounded by recruiters where you know you know what recruiters are like yeah a lot more banter a lot more bullshit push each other around have a you know be rude to each other have a proper laugh which you know you walk into your marketing department maybe not finance maybe not yeah. by nature i think we're a bit like that so it was to have a team of you know i think at that time it was like 13 14 people maybe around a bit less it was amazing time of my life it was based in chelsea so i got to live out my posh dreams walking around there um and it was just yeah you know it makes me happy to think about it because it was such a great period of time and the people were incredible and it you know it grew as i was there um my contract got extended like two three four times maybe 
And then I said, right, um, it, it's time for me now to kind of focus on my property stuff, focus on my branding. Yeah. Um, and just, yeah, not do a job that I'm not, I'm, I'm good at, but I'm not hugely passionate in. It wasn't you any longer, I presume. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so tell us about that property then. So, because this is where I saw this, this sudden explosion of hedge talks and <laughs> the, the color yellow <laughs> quite brightly in my eyes. All of a sudden. So, what, what, did you wake up one morning and think, right, this is it, I'm doing property, or was there a, an influence? Someone influenced you? Did someone groom you, Tej? <laughs> <laughs> you, you're the weirdos following me and, and, and inappropriately. Anyway, so <laughs> <laughs> I, so I've always loved property, right? You know, The Sims, the video game? Yes. And like Age of Empires. Yeah. I used to love just like building the town, building the walls. And Sims, I don't care what they did. I was like, oh, let me design the bathroom. How can I get more space? How can I maximize this space? Like I was an investor (laughs) digitally years ago. So that definitely stuck with me. I also like Lego, which who doesn't? But, you know, a lot of things added up. And then I grand designs, amazing spaces. Love them. So. I watched those kind of was in recruitment and thought, Oh, you know what? I need a lot of money to get into property, which we technically don't. And then I won a ticket to some like education course on it, which was okay. I then was like, you know what? The people who were teaching me are kind of a bit older and this does not offense to people who are older, but markets change every year. Now yeah. these people had made it and done it when it was not, I'm not going to say easier, but when it was different. Now, I thought, hold on a minute. Yes, you may be able to teach me the basics and about life, but you really cannot teach me about right now. And I thought, like, is there a resource for free? Because I'm Indian and I'm cheap that you can learn this stuff. And for some weird reason, I didn't discover the other property podcasts that were out there. I just, I don't know, didn't really look hard enough. Clearly, I thought, ah, whatever, I'm gonna start my own. And then the name just came to me, uh, Yellow. You know, I'm not even going to lie. I look good in yellow. That's, that's what it is. So it's, it's just look awesome. It look awesome. Was, listen, there we go. It suits me. So I was like, you know what? Yellow is the color. But also, yellow has meaning. Optimism, youthful, bright, energetic, yeah. happy, warm. So I wanted people to feel that about me because I think those describe me and I want people to be relaxed when they see and think of me, right? I don't want coldness anywhere. I want people to be comfortable. So... I started that podcast. I had a little bit of experience before because I did start a TED Talks Diversity, speaking to diverse founders of tech startups and seeing, oh, how did your culture, how did your parents, how did your upbringing, your food, how did it affect who you are? Yeah. Um, I didn't do it for very long just because oh, I can't remember. I think I was too busy. So the property stuff, I was like, nope, you know what? I'm going all in because I want to provide a free educational service to people around me and I don't sell anything I mean I've got a few I sell the t-shirts I sell like a podcast guide but I don't it's not there to upsell to something else it's just there to help people yeah yeah, you know to give me what I wish I had uh I know it's been going really well so I actually checked the stats today so from September to now which we're in July I think it's about 10 months yeah 10 months ish um we've had 87,000 listens we've had um someone recently smashed through the unique listens per episode which was 2000 um and then we've also had listeners in i think i think it's 85 different countries wow that's brilliant yeah and it was ranked top 15 on itunes at one point it's now 
it now jumps between 30 to 20 to four every now and then. So I think for me to kind of get that top 15 on iTunes as well and have 210, you know, almost five star reviews, I was like, damn, it, it really is helping people. Right. Um, so can I, can I just jump in? Would it be wrong me saying, um, when I've listened to some of them, I've listened to every one of them, by the way, <laughs> when I listened to some of them, especially at the beginning until, and then the latest ones lately, I feel that you have grown massively in these podcasts. It feels like you've educated yourself as you've gone along. Is that right? Me saying that? I mean, I, I, I never thought about it until you just said it now. <sighs> You know, I don't know. I'd have to go back and listen to the first episodes because I, I just feel like I just can't remember what I was like in the first episode to now. But I mean, if that's what you see, then I hope that others are seeing it. And then I also hope that it's true and that I have grown. I mean, I should have really. Um, yeah. So that's, that's great to know. And I think, it, I think it comes naturally. Like, as you interview more and more awesome people, you get a bigger brand, people start recognizing you yeah. and you just develop as a human. I think naturally you uprate and upskill yourself. Like, like in anything, right? Like in recruitment, you would have grown over the past three, four years. For sure. Yeah. You know, probably way more than you did an agency. And I guess it's kind of the same, the same sort of thing really. So yeah, no, I, yeah, I appreciate that. Hope I have, yeah. I, I, mean, I, I mean, I highly as complimental as ever because what I yeah. hear and, and see people do with their marketing is not grow. And when you see and hear people not grow with their marketing, they're not learning and they're just going through the emotions with you. I, I feel even at the first podcast, even your videos that we've, that, that I see a lot on, on Instagram and on Facebook as well. You, you can see you, the, the, the way you've grown and changed into this marketplace. Is this, is your passion growing as well? Or is it, or is this something that you, you're kind of like, Oh, this is a bloody headache. I'm not going to hate No, my passion has definitely grown. Like I, I tried to build a personal brand in recruitment, which you may remember from uh, quite yeah, a while ago. But you were doing well. You were doing well. You were getting somewhere with it. Yeah. So yeah, I guess I was. And I, because I didn't enjoy recruitment that much. I kind of was like, that's, oh, that's the problem when you're not yeah. enjoying something. Exactly. So okay. I was building a passion. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, for something I wasn't enjoying. And I was like, uh, why am I bothering? So then, and also I didn't see huge results from it in terms of BD or candidates, which again, I was like, well, y'all can piss off there. What's the point of wasting my time? Um, and then I, now though with Tej Talks, because it's in something I'm so passionate about and people don't hate you like naturally and people are more receptive to it and there's, a, you know, I'm educating people and also educating them by my mistakes and my experiences. It is my passion. Like, you know, you know me, man. I love being on video, love being on stage. I'm, befo- I'm a performer. So, you know, and I guess that comes from maybe from like my dancing background as well. But I just, it, it, it is a passion. You know, if I have to do it, well, no, I have to. But when I do videos for Instagram or LinkedIn or for, I'm like, yes, I get to film videos today. Great. Yeah. You know? Um, I'm just saying, yeah. I, you, you mentioned it, dancing background. My background, I used to play guitar and sing in a band. Not massively. I wasn't you know, huge. Uh, I didn't have a record contract. We played one gig in my living room uh, to a load of friends. But that, that want there to get in front of the camera and, and kind of speak to people and, and get in front of an audience. Because I've seen some of your talks as well, some of the videos you filmed in your talks. That 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 has to come from something like that, doesn't it? That 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 
kind of entertainment-ish background, don't you think? That, that that's my thought. Yeah, I think it has to. So I think it has to maybe one come from something tangible, like you know, dancing, like playing guitar. Yeah. But I think also it has to come from something more intangible, which is like an emotional thing. So, for example. You know, do we like public speaking because we want to be heard? Were we not heard as kids? Now we're getting deep now. Um, you know, did we feel ignored? You know, when we were younger, did we? So I think there's also that aspect to it, and also the respect thing. You know, maybe you want to be respected. You want people to listen to what you're saying, like, yeah. and actually listen and be influenced and respect it because you know of an insecurity or because of you know whatever it is. There's always a, an emotional kind of background to something like public speaking or confidence or wanting to be an influencer i think yeah yeah do you still get nervous going out in front of people <laughs> no i don't get nervous to be honest i think uh, as long as i know the content like so i don't so i don't really practice my presentations or slides or anything. i'll make the slides if we're doing slides i'll look through them maybe once kind of roughly go through what i want to mention yeah. just to make sure i'm not cocking up anywhere and that's it i'll just go on stage because if I have the knowledge, I can bring it all together with some source and make yeah. it engaging. So, no, I don't get nervous. I think the bigger the crowd, the easier it is because you don't see their little faces or their eyes. You can't it's get locked true. in eye contact. It's true, yeah. I'm like that with videos as well. I do exactly the same for videos. I'll, I'll have three or four bullet points and I just talk. I, I'm, something clicks in my brain. <laughs> I don't know what it is. <laughs> I can't even explain it to people and I just talk and I'm, I'm able to talk around the subject if mm. I've done some research on the subject um, I do have to have about five or six takes to get that right but if it's a subject I'm, I'm, I know well I can just talk it's interesting isn't it how we can just do that I, I find it fascinating and then and other people they need scripts they need auto cues or they need the practice yeah and I think it it comes from being like subject matter experts or at least just having knowledge, right? Because like, so I, I don't think I've ever done a video with more than one take. I'm just so time efficient that I'm like, you will get this right the first time, Tej. Okay. So mm. I just kind of do one take. And if there's a little bit of a mistake, I just, I just chuck some sauce on it and make it sound better because like I know people take loads and loads of takes for videos, but I just, I just haven't got the time. Um, and I think because for me, like that's my strength, right? Like yeah. other people have strengths in different areas. This is mine. I think I can just do it in a take because it's authentic and it's real. And if, you know, whatever happens kind of happens. Um, but yeah, I can't, I can't have a script. I just, I just ignore it. I'm like, Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> but that's the thing about passion of your own, what you're trying to produce, the brand that you're trying to create. I think that then negates a reason for a script because you already know it. You already have that in your soul and you're just trying to deliver it to a group of people. Um, mm. Property-wise, talking about that kind of market, it's, um, it's a massive, I'm not going to use the word saturated. I don't think it is quite saturated just yet, but it's not saturated as freaking recruitment. <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. Um, I, I, I mean, because I, I follow you, so I know a little, I know a few properties or one property that you already got which is in South Wales, is that right? Is that right? Yes, you're Welsh, aren't you? Yeah, I'm not from South Wales, I'm from West Wales. So, so. Oh, the countryside where it's all overgrown in like a, a jungle, yeah. I've heard. And full of knotweed. <laughs> <laughs> My favourite knotweed soup. We'll talk about that in a bit. 
so 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 all that property so branding yourself into this marketplace how have you found it is it, have you been well received in this marketplace or yeah you know what I, I don't really spend much time reflecting on stuff and i need to because it's, it's time you know you need to celebrate stuff now i'm going off the feedback that i get from people reading the reviews for the podcast and also just the, the network i've built and how i engage with people and relationships I think it's been very well received. I think a lot of people say it's like a breath of fresh air. Like people listening to this and my podcast in general I hear how blunt and upfront I am. And when I have guests on and we talk about the, the numbers of a deal or the figures or like location or just any bit of detail, some podcasts in general, not just property, will just skip past it and kind of keep it generic. Whereas I'm like, no, 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 no. Let's go back. Yeah. yeah facts. Give me the numbers. Oh, what was that? You, you messed up. Tell us how you messed up. So I'm very like, I ask the questions that I want to know. And I know that most people listening with me want to as well. So because of that, I think people have perceived my brand well, because I'm not sort of upselling into anything and I'm just giving value, I hope. And I'm just very honest and I extract things from people on my show. Yeah. That other people want to know. And I connect people, you know, someone messages me and says, Hey, can you introduce me to a broker? Can you give me a discount here or something? I'm like, yeah, sure. Here we go. Let's sort of sort it out. Um, so I think people have really well received it that way. Uh, I think the kind of yellow and, and my activity levels on Facebook, for example, have been received well. You know, people are always like, oh, we see you everywhere. Like, oh, you're not wearing yellow today. Or, oh, Tej. Or yeah. come up to me in a very, like, they, they kind of feel like they know me. They... <laughs> which is amazing but they don't have to say oh hi um what do you do i do they're like oh ted um i listened to the last podcast what's happening with that property oh dude you know so sorry to hear about that one falling through on your instagram and they won't even don't even say hello sometimes i'm like yo ted boom and they'll just speak and it's like what i was saying earlier is i want people to be comfortable and warm around me because meeting new people and networking is is nerve-wracking sometimes yeah Yeah. so Yeah, I think it's been perceived very well. I think some people are kind of impressed with how quickly I've sort of, um, I don't know, infiltrated the uh, the space. And it, I guess it's what I do, right? I like to just kind of land with a brand and just... Well, I was going to say, it. no one else was doing what you were doing. And that's what I love about that. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't name one property developer, not one. And you'll find out that, you know, like, I think I found out the other day, my cousin does it. I'm mm. like, what? I didn't even know you did that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. But, you know, apparently she buys houses and, and flips them and sells them for a profit. You know what I mean? It's like, okay. Uh, great. But she did, you know, she, I, I guess some people find it very personal, but mm. it's a business. It's, it's, a business. Yeah. it's like anything else. You're selling widgets or recruitment, you're selling houses. That is a business. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. So when you get into the circle, you definitely see a lot more people who are doing it. Now, yeah. But generally speaking, like, so on that point of why people don't talk about it, yeah, you know, having a personal brand is not easy, especially if you haven't grown up with social media, kind of sharing your life, your daily stuff. There's, there's a few different, I guess, common um, reasons people don't have a personal brand. But, you know, Gary Vee, we all yeah. know Gary Vee, very, yeah. very, very influential on brand and everything he does speaks volumes about it. Now I watched a video the other day and he said, brand is the single most important thing for a business right now. 
and it becomes even more important as sort of parts of the internet are commoditized. And, you know, because some guy said to him, Hey Gary, how much do we spend on content marketing? And he was like, he was like fucking everything. Yeah. Fucking everything. Right. You know, how he speaks like that, right? And I was like, <laughs> that's a brilliant impression. <laughs> <laughs> college, fuck college, fuck college, man. Um, so he, he was just blunt, like, well, you know, how much do you want to earn, dude? If you want to earn more, then put your money into it. Um, which is great though. Cause he was right. And people are slowly, slowly realizing that personal brands are huge and are essentially your CV, your shop front for you as a person. Now, I don't care what you're into someone else is into it too. So whether you're into oven cleaners, types of hand moisturizers, as I say, as I moisturize my hand right now, I won't say the brand, many are available. Um, are you into, you know, do you collect the paper that stamps are stuck to? Like, are you into ethernet cables? I don't care because someone is going to be into that stuff with you. So you should, you need to, and I had a, did a presentation on this at Babylon. Quite funny actually, because I feel like they thought I was going to talk about like how to be better in the workplace but I basically was like, yeah, um, y'all should develop personal brand so you can quit your jobs and have a side business and make it your main business. <laughs> but obviously for me, that's totally normal. I'm a contractor. And I was like, just be normal in their faces. And I was like, yeah, I'm encouraging you to. So it was quite, quite funny, that one. Um, but people should, should focus on their personal brands. And that's why I consult people. And I've got a public speaking thing today, actually, tonight. Um, and I've wow. got like four or five lined up about building a personal brand i love it i love it this is this is the this is why i love talking to you about it and and and, and seeing you and watching you and and it, it's like you're like um how can i put it it's like you're going through an apprenticeship of personal branding yourself but you're leading the way at the same time so you, it's i find it absolutely fascinating watching someone especially someone you know as well doing mm. it and it's and you're putting everything you're learning about gary v and, and i'm assuming you've got a couple of other books up your sleeve that you've been reading as well about it but you put them into practice and what yeah. i've noticed with you is what you've trialed a few things and they, and they, <laughs> they failed um, but you you're still pushing ahead and that's what that's the, the whole essence of what i'm trying to catch you here with this podcast is that kind of pushing ahead is this something that you've really learned and, and and you've learned the hard way with personal branding or, or do you feel that like it's it's just all progressing anyway quite I think it progresses quite naturally because it's not like you know if you buy the wrong house you know not to fair everyone off but if you buy the wrong house you could lose some money unlikely but you could actually lose money now with branding if you put up a post that doesn't bang and you get two likes instead of your usual 100 who gives a shit what have you lost really maybe yeah. maybe but nothing. So for me, I haven't had to learn it the hard way. I learned it from, from, well, I actually don't know where I learned it from. I always like copywriting and words and yeah. how words have such an effect on us. So I guess that combined with writing unique job adverts and then that sort of stuff just, actually, no, here's what I did. I had my personality. I took it out of my head, slapped it on my keyboard and that's it. Like, Oh, okay. Yeah, that's that, yeah, right. That that makes sense because that way then it's you. It's not a made-up character. You're not Lorraine Kelly pretending to be Lorraine Kelly. <laughs> I actually <laughs> did lately in court. Um, you're you're you being you, and that is probably the secret of personal branding. 
and I feel like we've just both discovered this right now, right here. Do you know what? This isn't the first time I've done this in the podcast, but it's been a few podcasts where we've got to the root cause of certain things. And I, I believe that as well. Who people see me on LinkedIn, the podcast, the videos, it's me. I, I, I don't hide from me. I just put me out there. Um, and, I, and I see you do that a lot on your videos as well. And it's the confidence, right? Like, so you kind of said, um, how did I do it? It was, it was literally that. And then it was having the confidence to put my personality into the keyboard and then the confidence to be on video and audio and pictures and, yeah. and, and there's loads of elements to branding, but yeah, I sort of learned it. And then, like you said, it's trial and error. You have to test, you have to analyze and remove the crap and then keep the good stuff and then keep refining, keep going. Right? I'm always watching what I post and saying, hmm, I got less likes than this because of why. And then I can then formulate the next time I go ahead, oh, maybe I change a few words, maybe I change a picture, whatever it is. Here's a good question for you then. You just said less likes. Is that important to you when you do social media or is this something else that's important to you? Because I've, <sighs> I've got my version of that. I'll tell you in a second. So, so it's important to me in the sense that it shows that people are, are looking at you. And I know impressions and likes are different, but it shows that they're looking at you enough that they will double tap or, or press like. It also looks good to others because, you know, if people, if loads, someone has loads of likes, you'll probably like it just because conformity or whatever. Yeah. Uh, what matters more to me, but again, this naturally will align with your likes often, is more engagement. It's like, are people commenting on it? Are yeah. people DMing me? Are people sharing it and saying, oh my God, Tej Post, this thing's amazing. So there's engagement numerically, which is impressions, which is click-through rates, all that kind of stuff. But there's also yeah. engagement, which is just like the kind of soft stuff, you know, are people talking to me about it? And yeah. it's not easy to measure, but I just have a decent memory. So I kind of analyze it as we go along. So yeah, it, it matters and it doesn't to, to not answer your question. Yeah. For me, it runs in the kind of weird order. So it's like the, the, the least important is likes for me. The next is comments. The next is DMs, and then the, the the number one thing that's that from a piece of content that's really important to me is someone picking up the phone to me. <laughs> and if I get that, then I know that piece of content is super worked. And there's been a few things that I've done um, that I've put out there that I've got clients from, I've got candidates from. Um, so that to me is like right, that's really working. And then some stuff. Is, if you get ten likes, you're like, all right. That's fine. <laughs> I can handle that. Yeah. There's 10 people that have liked it. But if it's none, that's when I'm not sorry. I'm kind of... <laughs> I think you've got, right, you've got the right kind of funnel. And when it comes to content for sales, which most of it is, yeah. then you, you, you have the right sort of order, I think. But yeah. But then yeah. There's, way, there's content for awareness. Mm, yeah. yeah. What yeah. I think most of us should be doing. And then there's content for, a, like you say, a sales funnel to draw people to what you do. And your branding should never be one of those. It should be all of the things, I think. That's my personal opinion. Anyway, yeah, yeah, no, of course. It's all-encompassing. You need awareness. You need sales. Can't be too much of either one or else you won't make money or you'll just make loads of money and no one will like you. Yeah. So. <laughs> Which is not too bad, I guess, in some respects. Uh, yeah, especially in recruitment where no one likes you anyway. So, <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to change that, Edge. <laughs> trying to let everyone like us. <laughs> What, so what's the future of your property business? Where are you at with it at the moment? Let me ask you the numbers and questions like that. <laughs> so the one house is completed, is refurbed, and it is 
on the market to be let right now. Uh, the next house is in Legal, so that's in Swansea. Uh, we should exchange and complete within two weeks. I'm actually buying that with pretty much none of my, with pretty much with no money. Um, oh. Yes, and then I, I'm looking for loads more. To be honest, I mean, I want two or three a month. It's just finding the right investors who will loan me the kind of amount of money for the returns we normally give people. Um, and then also finding the right deals that will make sure that I'm safe and my investors funds are safe as well. So it's, it's kind of a balancing act, you know, between all of these different cogs uh, in property. And yeah, it just, it can just take time sometimes. Yeah. Why South Wales then? Is there a reason behind that? Well, because boy, oh, I love the valleys, don't I? Eh? So <laughs> I also like Garvin and Stacey. So um, <laughs> no, I think, um, great rental yield strong rental demand strong buying market lot you know capital appreciation people say oh, well they're gonna lose money <laughs> yeah. it's like no actually it's, it's gone up more than the uk in some parts it's um, strong it's strong it's Very strong. strong yeah there's lots happening no well there's lots being talked about now if any of them come through it's going to be big uh, and also it's not too far from where I live. The entry the kind of prices, you know, you get in the house. My first one was 50 grand. Second one I'm buying is 70 grand, you know, and they're way below their values. So, yeah. What are they, is there some things that you've got to do to them that you've got to like, yeah. So the, the first one had a bit of damp and a bit of mold and needed sort of a kitchen updating and needing some carpet on the stairs updating. Not too much to be honest. And then, the second one I'm buying just needs like a total cosmetic refurb. It just looks like, I mean, you wouldn't want to take a picture of it and tell people it's your, it's your <laughs> rental property. Like it's, it's in Swansea as well, so you wouldn't tell everyone that. <laughs> yeah, so it just needs, you know, like a full new kitchen, new bathroom, cosmetic refurb, new flooring. and So just standard, yeah. standard issues that you would get as a property developer. Would you yeah, buy? absolutely. There's no knotweed in this one because Swansea is literally laced in knotweed. Um, well, like I said, um, my brother's doing very well as a side business. Sort of yeah, I think I should as well. I might not bloody see it. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. And, you know, people say you need oh, a lot of money to get into property. You know, you don't. To buy a property, yeah, you, know, you potentially need 25% of the purchase price. Um, or you need to find an investor, family, friend, colleague, recruiter, whoever. Yeah. Um, you know, you can get into it with a, a couple of grand by doing uh, what's called a rent to rent etc etc so there's loads of ways to get into it without lots of money and if people want to find out then uh, you know I have a yeah listen to your podcast yeah. all about it <laughs> <laughs> and on that note um where can they find your podcast hedge where where is it everywhere spotify yeah. itunes uh podcast app Castbox, google everything type in tedge talks or tedge talks property uh, in your browser it's tedge-talks.com uh, you can also listen in your browser um facebook i'm tedge sing if you can't find me type in tedge talks it'll bring me up linkedin same thing uh instagram tedge.talks brilliant brilliant you are literally everywhere and i highly recommend following you because some of the some of the stuff you do is actually quite amusing and, and entertaining. <laughs> especially some of the videos which i love and is, is the yeah, you still got the plants in the background as well in some of the videos, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm still, I'm still using my conservatory. I haven't been there for a while. Now that it's uh, some sort of English summer, I will, um, I will be back to my plants. <laughs> 
We loved your plans back in the day. Yeah. Thank you for having me on the podcast. It's been great fun. No, it's been absolutely, honestly, mate, you're, you were in my top 10 people to speak to. On this <laughs> and uh, it's been an absolute pleasure and, and listening to your journey and watching your journey from the outside as well. But hearing how you kind of got there has been absolutely amazing. So thank you very much, mate. Thank you for your time. What a great guy. And tons of information in there about personal branding um go and follow him seriously go and check him out on instagram on facebook and see what he does because um the formula he uses how he does it he's, he's a genuine guy as well so he puts himself up there the genuinity of that as we discussed um so yeah really really great guy to follow and to learn quite a lot from from the personal branding place Thank you for listening to this podcast. I should have some more coming soon. Take it easy. Bye-bye.